0: The reign of the anointed. This evening, we're in Acts chapter four. Uh, the reigning of God's anointed. You know, and I think of that, and I, I look at myself as as being anointed. And I and I and I want every believer out there by the end of this message to feel if your soul has been regenerated and you're a believer, you have been anointed too. To proclaim the gospel with boldness, and. I don't want us to get stuck on, like, I'm something special here. Uh, Just the same way, the crown of the queen, the importance of the crown and the queen depends on the king that stands next to the queen. The, the, The crown itself has not the importance, but it's the king that stands next to her. So the crowning, the anointing that my king, God, gives the anointed, it's not the anointing, but it's the King that stands next to me. Uh, so happy Valentine's, honey. Okay, Acts chapter four. We're going to. Uh, I'm going to just back up a little bit. I'm going to just kind of go through it a little bit, and then we're going to stand for the reading of God's word, and we're going to do it as a, as a prayer. Oftentimes, I like. I like to read scripture and then pray scripture back to God. Uh, I think that's—I uh, think God delights in that, and I think it—it just—it it just helps me just have that gratitude towards my God. But as we've been working through the book of Acts, I—I uh, I just just want to hit on a couple points here. Uh, Peter and John, these apostles. We had the death, burial, resurrection of the Messiah, the Savior. We're in the second volume of Acts, the Acts of the Apostle, from Luke, the author is Luke. Luke writes Acts now. It's the transition between the Old Testament and the New Testament. After the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, all the prophecy has been fulfilled that the the Old Testament proclaimed that was going to happen has now happened. It has taken place. Jesus had promised them to go back and wait for the, the Holy Spirit, the power that it's going to be better than what he could do for them. It's going to be a greater power. that it's, it's, going to, it's going to be in every believer that believes. Go back and wait for it. And then we have the Pentecost coming on. But we have to remember that where these apostles were in the beginning church, it was like treacherous and dangerous waters. They're walking amongst the people who repeatedly we find in the text here, as I do some highlights, that have rejected the Christ, have turned the Christ over, have crucified the Christ, and they're walking on the same churches, synagogues, places, proclaiming the same truth with boldness after they're seeing their Messiah, who was, by the way, completely innocent with a trial and put to death. Before them. And it wasn't until his resurrection that he spent the 30 days with them. I don't know if I got the 30 days right, but the time period that he spent with them before his ascension. Uh, And they now have been filled with the Spirit. We have Peter and John going in there. With each one of the sermons, if I just go in chapter 2. Uh, verse 22 men of Israel listen to these words Jesus the Nazarene a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst just as you yourselves know this man delivered over by your predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God you nailed to a cross by the hands of lawless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it is, was impossible for him to be held in its power. Peter's first message. And you notice something about every one of Peter's messages here. What he's doing, he's admonishing them, he's rebuking them, he's reprimanding and he's convicting them. He's—he's he's not telling them to feel good about themselves. He—he's—he's he's calling them out. It was Jesus, the Messiah. What you've just done, each one of these times in treacherous waters, one would be concerned about his own well-being. And they had such boldness to stand amongst these people, and that was this. First, and then many come to believe on that day. Then in chapter, chapter 2, verse 36, he says another message. And each time the Holy Spirit comes and fills them, great numbers were filled. So we either, we either even today, we either reject it as foolishness or we receive the truth and the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And it says here in verse 36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles' men, Brothers, what should we do? Repent. Be baptized. Then we move over to Chapter 3. Again, another message. Verse 12. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people. And this was after the healing of the man. It was a message just a couple weeks ago. And they were looking and wondering. And and then Peter. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people. To the people now. He's rebuking, reprimanding the the church leaders, the Sanhedrins, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the people of Israel, any Gentiles, Roman were around. He, he's reprimanding them. He's, he's, he's proclaiming what you've done to them. He's not, he's not sharing a prosperity gospel. And he says to them directly, But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you gaze at us as if by our own power, our piety, we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. But put to death the author of life, whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. You know, and by reading this, we're getting a firm rooting and a foundation for this tree that we're going to talk about that's planted by the water. By understanding who Jesus is, his sinlessness... Who God is who's predetermined this to take place? We we need to be firmly rooted in our salvation and understanding of the basic gospel message that we can draw from this river of water. And then we move on to Chapter four Verse ten. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene whom you crucified whom God raised from the dead by this name this man stands here before you in good health. Repeatedly we see an admonishing, a rebuking reprimanding and a convict and he's convicting them. God's long-suffering he does it to us. He wants all of his to come to him. And, and Peter, each and every time, he's, he puts out, all we have to do is recognize it. All they had to do was recognize it. And we're going to see in the psalm when we get to this in a little bit also, by recognizing it, by kissing the sun. Repent. God has forgiveness. Now, I want to back up Just this just talk a little bit about this, the turning over of Jesus, because we, we see this same theme over and over again that, that you crucified. And, and I think Luke really speaks to what happened here. The innocent man, the innocent man Jesus, that lived this innocent life, the most unjust crime that was ever committed. And we find this in Luke chapter 23. Verses 13 to 18. Proper, getting a proper understanding to, have a, to be rooted properly next to this stream of water is so important. What is taking place here? And Pilate summoned the chief priest and the rulers and the people. And he said to them, You brought this man to me as one who incites the people to rebellion. And behold... Having examined him before you, I have found in this man no guilt of what you are accusing him. Nor, listen to this, nor has Herod, for he sent him back to us, and behold, nothing deserving deserving death has been done by him. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. And that's where Jesus was taken a beating and, and Pilate didn't want to deal with this business to send them back to him. But here's the crowd. Here's the people. See, when Peter's admonishing each one of these groups, he's admonishing the Sanhedrins, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Romans, the Gentiles, the Jewish people. He's, he's, he's all of them, everybody, even us. What did the people do when Pilate said this? Here's what they said. Verse 17. Now he was obligated to release to them at the feast one prisoner. But they cried out all together, saying, Away with this man and release Barabbas. And then Jesus was sent to the cross. For all those who will believe. This is the message that Peter keeps preaching with boldness. And I, I just wanted to p- point that out. Now, we're going to start our message, chapter 4, verse 23. And at this time, if you have the copy of God's word in your hand, I I would ask that we stand up for the reading of God's Word. And as as we read this, chapter 4, verses 23 to 31, this is a prayer, And, and I want us to pray this back to God this evening. And if you're listening, I want you to pray this prayer. It's going to talk about the release, but then it's going to go into a prayer. Let's say this prayer with meaning and conviction in our hearts. I think it means the same today as it did yesterday and will be tomorrow. On verse 23 of chapter 4. So when they was released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, They lifted their voices, let us lift our voices right now, voices to God with one accord and said, O Master, it is you who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, why did the Gentiles rage? And the people's devised vain things, the king of the earth took their stand. And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city there was gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles, the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your slaves may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders happen through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed earnestly. The place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the Word of God with confidence. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we just pray to you this evening, Father. Father, we thank you for what you what you've did, what you're doing, and what you're going to do, Father. Father, we pray that you give people a heart to know, and eyes to see, and ears to hear, and that your believers can speak with boldness. Your anointed could speak with boldness the truth of God's Word. We pray for those that hear your Word. The, by the living stream of your words can expound and bear good fruit. Let their leaves shine and give shade to the weak and the overheated. Father, we pray for this Father, we pray to you, without you it can't be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Wow, the power of God's Word. How it just moves our souls, beloved. Getting a proper understanding of it. Now, I I, want to get to, we're going to get to Psalm 2 here. So they were released, they, they went their own, back to their own companions, and they reported all that the chief priest had, had said to them. Remember when Peter was standing there, and, and basically if uh, you be the judge, I have to listen to God, we have to, like Romans 13, we're supposed to submit to the authorities, but we, we also, it's our God, I, I can't, I have to follow what God's word says, I, I can't go against that. And if you're to judge me for that, then so be it, judge us. But we are to follow God in His Word. And uh, that's basically what Peter said, and they were released. Because they remember that several thousands were saved at that point, and they were standing next to the, the, the lame guy that's no longer lame. He's jumping, and he's leaping, and there's a couple thousand people, and the Sanhedrins and the Pharisees and the Sadducees are saying, what are, what are we going to do? We... We can't do nothing to these men right now. Look at, look at the power of the Holy Spirit amongst them. They had to release them. They, they had no other choice. So they were released, and they, they went now back to, their, to the way. The original church, I believe they called them the way. Their, their tribe, their believers, that were probably feeling pretty, right before this all happening before Pentecost, were, were probably feeling pretty hopeless. Probably feeling pretty beat up but now the miracles are taking place in each and one of these believers as they're being filled with the Spirit. So they're going back and they're reporting this. And when they heard this, they they lifted, and immediately, they lifted their voices to God. And we, we just prayed that together. God, and and just like our Father who art in heaven, and when we begin to pray, when when the disciples ask Jesus, how should we pray? Jesus says we should pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, when we enter into prayer with God, we should always acknowledge God and who He is. Art in heaven. He's not an artist. He is the heaven and the earth. He's the creator of all. He transcends time. He's all-knowing. And what do they do? What does Peter do here in this prayer? Immediately. The creators of the heavens and the earth and everything that's in it gives honor and glory to God. Immediately, giving glory to God. The heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your father David the servant. Now here is Psalm 2. Now I want, I want us to... we, we I've read now, I have did a summary, I brought us to this point, and it's going to give us a better understanding what's taking place, because we're going to re- refer back now to Psalm 2, because it says, and I'm just going to turn to Psalm 2, let's just turn to Psalm 2 and, and look at that. And sometimes in life, it seems like being led by the Spirit is just completely awesome, but we, we have to we have to be able to allow that to happen. <laughs> Sometimes we want to force our maybe our own ideologies, our own thought processes. Uh, but uh, this this last week here, uh, I've I've been focusing on uh, this Psalm two as part of my message, and we have a, a wonderful Bible study here at uh, nine o'clock Saturday morning, and uh, Brother Logan kind of taking the charge with that and. And what are we going to do for Bible study this morning? We love getting together talking about God, by the way. And you're welcome to come. We're at 591 Ferndale. You come. Let's, let's talk about God. We just love it. And uh, he starts talking about Psalm 2. I'm thinking, wow, that's awesome. Because I've been, I've, been, I've been mulling on this now for three, four days. He's bringing it up. Awesome Bible study we had. A lot of good comments. Challenging each other. Sharpening each other. Not not planned for my message. Sunday school this morning. Just out of random. W- w- what are we reading? Psalm 1. I'm like, wow! Psalm 1, that's awesome. I'm, you know, I want to tell you something about the Psalms. I love the Psalms. Well, Logan does too. We got the Psalm in this book. We sing them. But to me, Psalm. there's 150 Psalms, but I want you to think of Psalm 1 and 2. Now, I know I'm not in charge. It would be a lot better world, I think, if I was, but I'm not, and I accept that. I, I think I would have put Psalm 2 at 150, and I would have called it the bookcase. Psalm 1, to me, is the left side of the bookcase, and Psalm 2 is the right side of the bookcase, and all the Psalms fit right in the in the middle of it. And we just get so much meat in, uh, out of this. It's just so much meaning. And... Uh, my brother Logan, he, when I first heard him preach, it was one of the messages he did on Psalm 1. And I say, there's a young man. He's getting it. He's reading the God's Word and he's expounding on the text of the Word. He's not reading into it. He's, he's, he's reading what it says. And there's so much power in God's Word when we do, when we do that. And so I, I would like to just keep that in mind. Two bookends, the Psalms. Let's do a contrast. And in these two Psalms... There's two groups of people. There's the wicked, there's the good. There's the regenerated soul, there's the unregenerated soul. And then there's God, the creator of the seas and the heavens and the earth who sits above all and laughs and mocks those who who think that they have something over God. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but let's just Let's just read through. I just got to read through Psalm 1 right now and Psalm 2. And I just want to, they're, they're short psalms, but Psalm 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of Yahweh. And in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not rise in the judgment, the sinner of the congregation of the righteous. For Yahweh knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, when we read this, Blessed is that man, and blessed is you, believer. Blessed is you, brother, that we no longer, because we all once walked in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, But he delights in the law of Yahweh. The believers, the righteous, continue to meditate on God's word day and night. Even if the word is not in front of your hand, you're mulling over verses. You're thinking about it. Day and night we mull over it. What what is the, the law of the Lord? To love God with your heart, mind, and soul, and love others as you love yourself, and all the law of the prophets can be combined into that. If that's all you have to grab onto, that's what you run with. But then we begin to read God's Word. And, 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 and there's always a hungering and a thirsting for a believer, a regenerated soul. There'll be a hunger and a thirsting for God's Word. Now this tree, that they talk about this tree, be the tree that's planted by the water. Be the oak tree that bends a mile before it breaks an inch. And that tree it feeds off the water. The water is the living word of God that you're you're meditating on day and night. And you're thirsting for that water. And the roots are growing in that water. And you're growing to be a big, strong tree. The righteous tree for God. His anointed. And you bear fruit. And it talks about prosper. This is not you're going to get a new house. You're not going to get a new car. Your life's going to be all hunky-dory. Everything is going to be wonderful. No, no, that's not talking about the prospering. The prospering is that when you ex- properly expound on the truth of God's Word, it will, it will cut to the heart of a non-believer, and they will repent of their sins, and they'll be a, a member of the kingdom of God, and they join the fellowship of the Lord, and you're guaranteed to prosper. And you will prosper. But you can't be one of these people that says, well, my Christianity, my religion uh, is a private matter. Well, you are not going to prosper. My, my, re- my religion, my God is not a private, uh, private whatsoever. We need to expound on it and expound on it boldly. And we're going to produce a fruit that we're going to prosper. This fruit is going to prosper. And our leaves are going to be big and fluffy that, can, that will give a shadow to, to the distraught to the overheated, because we're going to be a strong tree that is going. And then, and it talks about the, 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 the shaft, the, the opposite now, the wicked man. Who are they? It's like the harvest of the wheat, that they, they harvest the wheat and the grain will stay there, but the wind will come by and blow away all the scraps and blow it away. That's the wicked. They'll blow away. They won't stand with God. They They won't have a leg to stand on in verse 5. It it says, therefore, the wicked will not rise in the judgment. It's kind of a complexing type of thing. What they're saying there is the wicked will not have a leg to stand on. You may think that somebody that's living a good life right now, that, that they're living outside of God and they're rich and they have all these things. But believe me, they don't have a leg to stand on. So they are contrasted. That's, that's, that's one, and that's as a believer. Now here's Psalm 2 that, that Peter quotes here. And he says, and this is a good question, and even today, why do the nations rage and the people meditate on a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers take counsel together against Yahweh and against the anointed. Now, just as it happened, this was written in David's time, and just as it happened with Pontius Pilate, the Jewish leaders gathering together, the people, all of them together, were wanting to break the bond, burst their bonds between the believer and themselves. Same thing. That was taking, that was taking place in David's time, that we, we we see the true fulfillment of it through Christ this psalm. and the same things are going on today in our world, that the rulers and the kingdoms of this world it's taking place right now. They gather together to break our bonds, to to tell you something like believer, to tell you well. There's a separation between church and state. And it's okay. You can believe however you want, but you are not allowed to expound on what God says or the truth of God's Word because it needs to be separated. And, and then you'll have people that actually believers that might believe that, but it's just totally ridiculous because they have a, a belief too. They don't believe in God. There's no neutrality. The secular world has a belief. They believe that they are God and they are not God. And we believe as believers that there is a God and we're to proclaim it, but they want to break our bonds. They want to separate us from society and belittle us and make us feel that we're less than, that there's nothing that we can do, that we have no power. And the whole reality of this is, I want you to understand this, believer, that Jesus is at the right hand of God, and all authority has been given to Him, and He sent the Holy Spirit to fill us, we're filled with the Spirit, to proclaim the true righteousness of God, wherever we're at. That's just so important. I I think we just accept that as a normal, that we're not supposed to speak. And when people are in these positions in authority, but we are. The same thing's going on today as it, it, was, as it was back then. I, I had a, I kind of had a little bit of a situation where I, I tried to, I had someone tell me, I've, I felt attacked. I felt attacked that I felt like because of my vote, how I vote, that uh, how could I and I, and I love how the world does that. I, I love how they get together and, and they come up with the, because how I vote, I only got an option to vote for two guys like in an election, right? There's only two guys. I have to pick the best one. But then they say, how could you be a man of God, vote for him, that sinner? Well, you know what? They're all sinners and we're, we are all, all sinners but I'm sorry that I have a, a foundational right by the Constitution that I can vote for whom I choose. Now, how do I choose my vote? Who's ever in closest in line with God's Word? And, well, one thing is, is I'm pro-life, okay? And, and that's just all there is to it. I'm pro-life. I'm, I'm pro-God. I believe that, that you will, all of the leaders right now, that legislate laws against God, that God will put you under submission before Jesus even comes back, you will be bowing down. Matter of fact, now that I want to get into that, because that's a part of my sermon too, so I did some research on people like Hitler and these dictators that were just, uh, these just terrible people, that how did the end of their life come? You know, we're talking about the rod. Let's talk about the rod in here where Jesus talks about his rod, that he will come and, and, and assert his rod. Here, I'll just read it right now. And he says, give me the nations your inheritance, that right now that God has given Jesus the inheritance, and the ends of the earth is your possessions. Right now, them possessions are Jesus. He shall break them with a rod of iron. Now... You think that rod of iron is a physical piece of rebar that we're going to see Jesus come down and start bashing everybody like potter's clay that object to him? Absolutely not. This is terminology that we must understand. It's used in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 15. The axe of the Syrians is used as a tool, as a weapon against the Jewish nation that was in rebellion against God. And God passed judgment on Israel and used the Syrians as a handle, as an axe to pronounce judgment on them. And then God punished the Syrians for doing this judgment. For, for carrying out His judgment because they said, the Syrians said that it was done by His power and by His will. And what you, what we, these leaders, meant for evil and bad, God is meant for good. God had anointed Jesus Christ for this task, but His hand was on it for Him to come and live a sinless life and die and live for me and you and for all those who believe. And then the people, Herod and Pontius Pilate and all the people, what they did they did it for evil, out of evil, to eliminate an innocent man. And they will be held accountable, and they will be judged as such. And this judgment, Just we're talking about the judgment of Jesus right now that sits in authority with the rod authority in all nations and all kingdom leaders and all that gather together and conspire and want to just separate us from God, know this and hear this right now. The end days of most of these people... Hitler, I guarantee he felt, he was, what, reflecting on the, their legacy? They're reflecting on the consequences of their action? They have fear in them, paranoia, regret. They feel isolated. They feel like they've been betrayed. They're trying to escape justice. This was a guy that had it all figured out. He was going to be lord of this earth. And he was in charge and he went, he was broken to where he put a bullet in his head. When they pulled Saddam Hussein out of a grave, when Saddam was killing all them people, he was at the highlight of his career. He thought he was in charge over God. He's feeling these same things, fear, isolated, hiding in the hole. They drug him out of a hole and hung him or shot him or whatever, repeatedly, We see this Mussolini who thought Rome was going to be named after him. He was going to be the great in their prime. Every sin has its season and everybody, they take joy in it. But that season will end. And this could be as well as the iron rod of the Lord coming down on you today. And if you're an evil leader legislating laws against God, you will face this. You will face a physical death and then there will be a judgment of God. And that is taking place right now. And that is why the believers are supposed to preach with boldness. That's how John and Peter was able to preach with boldness in the mouth of the lion's den to go in there and preach with boldness. And why can't you, believer? What's stopping you? Does God have to why does God always have to use the common, uneducated man to tell you the high IQ person, listen, this is the way it is. This is God's word. This is what scripture tells us. This is what this psalm tells us. This is what was going on at the time when Peter and John reported back. This is what the prayer that we just prayed for us to have this boldness. And, my, and this is what got me all going. I'm sorry, but got me all going. It was that I was attacked for my beliefs, how I vote and how wrong that is because no matter who I vote for, is going to be a sinner. Okay. Uh, but I, I believe God can, he can change the hearts and minds. If you repent, you can see at the end of this psalm. What, what does he say? Here, here it is. If, if you felt convicted or condemned right now and you felt that I was, you know, hurt your feelings, listen, it's not so bad. Listen. It, he gives you, he throws out the lifeline. The life preserver has been thrown out to you. So now, O kings, show insight. Take warning, O judges of the earth, serve Yahweh with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he become angry, and you perish in the way. Like all the evil leavers, the, the all the evil leaders I just discussed, he says, For his wrath may soon be kindled. Then he says, How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Take refuge in him. Call out to the name of the Lord. When, when Peter preached and, and they says, what should we do? Because they were cut to the heart. God's word cuts like a double-edged heart. What should we do? Repent. Be baptized. Repent, evil leaders, evil doers. Be baptized. Call on the name of the Lord. None shall perish that call on the name of the Lord. He tells us that in Acts. We've read that too. There he is. He's sending out the lifeline to you. And so I was kind of felt persecuted for my belief and then I was told uh, made a comment about you know we got this the news reports are saying we got this our borders are being overrun. You got governors all over our country now, right now are banding together. There's this complete terrible mess mess that they're using the national guards, but then the president's saying he's just gonna he could federalize them and well now I I may be wrong, but I didn't hear about any of that three years ago, four years ago. I Yeah, I didn't hear about any of that, but I was told that I was wrong. This is this is a problem and it, it, and that your side that was being attacked on, and then, the, then he says, then he, then he says, well, what would, what would Jesus do if he was on the border? Tell him to do that, you know, swear word out of here. And I thought, well, now he just, he just went too far with that one because now, okay, what would Jesus do? And I'll tell you, as an ambassador and representative for Jesus, I'll tell you exactly what he would do and what's more important. And, and he just, he, it was a perfect, analogy, a perfect metaphor. Let me explain to you about Jesus, okay? Let me explain to you about a border and a door. I'm not opposed to immigration. All are welcome at my house. You come in peace, all are welcome. Use my door. You come through the back window, I'm going to defend my property. If you come around the back way, I'm going to defend my property. That's my given right. Use the door. You're welcome. We have points of entry in this country, use the door come through the door the point of entry okay very simple not hard we need immigration in this country we're all immigrants and we need Im- immigrants in this country to build a strong country and i believe them immigrants are coming over they're going to come and they're going to get the fill of the filling of the spirit and the word of god in them and guess what they're not going to be voting for you you evil ruler they're going to become leaders and rulers of this country and because they're going to realize Jesus is king and he rules and he's Lord over all. See, because that's what our God can do. He's so powerful. So I say to you, first off, we have to understand what it means to be a border in a door. And I say to him, I say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through the Son. There's no other door to come through. There's only one door and that's through Jesus. See, you can't come in no other way. a matter of fact, there's a parable about the people that try to come in another way. There's a wedding ceremony where God reached out the master of the wedding ceremony says, well, what are you doing here? How did you get in? You're not dressed. You don't have the blood of Christ on you. And they snatch him up and they throw him in hell. That's what Jesus will do. You come through the door. He's your Savior. Confess Him. Repent. Or that's what Jesus will do. It's very simple. And it's very easy. And it's free. Because everybody the same group loves everything for free. Well, there's nothing in this world for free. The only thing I thought about that is for free is what your creator made. If you have fruit off a tree, it's free. God made it. Your salvation is free. There's nothing you did for it. It's faith by grace you've been saved, not by your own works, for no man can boast. It's all what Jesus did, and He gives it to you for free at the acknowledgement of your sins, to repent, and He gives you this for free and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Nothing else is for free. Everything else is on the back of somebody else, and it's wrong. So... I'm glad I got that out. That's just amazing how it fit into my message. Uh, but it's just so important. What a perfect metaphor. How else do you get how else do you get into heaven? It's only through Jesus. There's only one door. Lord, Lord, Lord. What he's you gonna hear the knock at the door? Then you're gonna say, Lord, Lord. We've done this, we've done that. And remember, that's gonna be people that proclaim. Christianity, they got it wrong. Lord, Lord, there's a door. You're alone. You're naked. You're all alone. You, you can't bring nothing with you. You're not bringing nothing with you. Any these possessions, belongings, nothing's coming with you. You're going to be at this door, naked and alone, standing before the Creator. And many are going to say, Lord, Lord. And you'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Then they'll say, I did this, I did that. The anointing of the the Holy Spirit that anoints all believers. Remember that it's like the crown of the queen is not important. It's the king standing next to the queen. And it's your king that stands next to you. That's anointed you, beloved. So we spent a little, little bit of time on there. Uh, that's okay. Back to Acts. That's where he reads the Psalm two. For truly, in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant. And today, how the evil rulers are gathered against our God, whom you anointed, he anointed Jesus. And when I say that John and the apostles and all believers have been anointed by God to proclaim the truth and to stand up with boldness, it just wasn't for them. If, if, you're, if, if God has saved your soul and regenerated you, you are, supposed to, you are supposed to stand up with boldness and speak the truth of his word against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Then it talks about the evil leaders. Evil leaders, No different back then than it is now, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, the people that try to break their bonds and separate you from society. While you extend your hand to heal and signs, and the signs and wonders in our days is, is when we see the gospel spreading People recognizing that their Lord is in control. People are coming in, in marvelous numbers. Since 2,000 years ago to the day, the numbers are just phenomenal of believers that have come home to the Lord. And they're praying. They're praying to God. They're, they're praying because they're, they're stating all these facts that's taken place. And they say, And now, Lord, take note of their threats. Because I know, beloved, we feel threatened. I felt threatened with this conversation I had with this gentleman. We feel threatened. And they, and they pray, And grant that your slaves may speak the word with all confidence. Now that word I'm using, slave, is a translation of my Bible. And then it, when it talks about your holy servant, Jesus, is different. And I had a wonderful uh, word discussion. And when I call myself a slave, it is not the... Uh, uh, the one that was held captive and, and beaten and mistreated, that's not the, the slave I'm referring to. I, I would consider myself the, the slave that was born into it, and then after my master had treated me so good, I'd go to the door and let him smack an all in my ear that I want to continue to serve him because he's been, so, he's been such a loving uh, master to me. And he's been so loving that he doesn't treat me as if I'm a slave. He has adopted me into this family. He's adopted you into the family. He allows us to know the family business. He allows us to be partakers in the family business. Uh, so, but we get the, we love getting into debates and doing word studies on that. But we're, we're he's praying he's praying for that. The threats that I grant that you're you're servants may speak your word with all confidence that we can speak his word with all confidence It's the same prayer today as it was back then and even in john i believe the the lord's prayer is is not the our father who art in heaven that's a disciple prayer that teaches us how to the, the real lord's prayer is in john 17 when john when when jesus prays the good testimony for us the believers uh, not to take us out of this world but to protect the believers in this world to give you the assurance to stand with boldness and proclaim the truth of his word. And, and it just as we're getting close to wrapping up, it, it, it brings me into uh, Ephesians uh, 6.18. And this is, this is Peter uh, praying. This is Peter praying while he's locked up. He's not praying for a new house, a new car to be released. Matter of fact, the, the miracle powers of people dying have, at this in point and through acts, has disappeared. But in in uh, Ephesians chapter six, eight, verse eighteen, after the full armor of God and everything that God gives us, He tells us most important, and just as we did tonight, how we stood up and we prayed. Paul says praying at all times with all prayer and petition in the Spirit, and to this end being on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, as well as on my behalf, what? That the words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And in in, in closing, I'm going to, I'd like to pray my closing prayer. I'm going to add two uh, Scripture verses in it. Uh, I'm going to pray Scripture back to God. And I, and, I, and I would like for you also Believer, beloved. When when it says anointed, that it is speaking to a specific person at this time, his anointed one. But we, we have all, as believers, we've all been anointed. So just apply this to you. And remember, it's the king that stands next to us. It's not the crown that we wear. It's our king that stands next to us. But let's just pray this together. Our Father and our God, Father I just I thank you for this time that I've been able to spend here this evening to proclaim your word with boldness with a peace I I just I thank you so much I I once felt all the things of the as the evil ears paranoia all these mixed up feelings and and you've set me free from all this Father you've given me the true living water that I drink in through me and through every believer. And in the book of Luke, Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives in recovering of of sight to the blind. To set the liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, Lord, thank you. I know I don't have miracle powers and causing can can make someone see physically see, but by proclaiming the truth of your word and praying to you that you open that believer's eyes is just a so awesome, such a miracle. Just praying to you to Set people free from their sins of addiction and different types of forms of sins in their life can set them free, the good news and the power. I thank you so much for that, Lord. And also in Isaiah, 700 years before Christ was born, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to those who are bound. Lord, we pray that people that are bound in their sin, we pray that your word can reach them through your anointed, through your servants, can reach them. They can be set free. The laborers are few. The harvest is ripe. The laborers are few, Father. We pray for more that can come and stand with us as fellowship in your body of believers to make each other feel loved, wanted and loved and important. Each and every one of the body of believers. We pray for that. We have, we're sensitive to the needs of believers in our church, our tribe, the way, Christ church, that we can reach out to them and love them, Father, to love you with our heart, mind, and soul, and to love others as we love ourselves. That love that you've taught us, that unconditional love that's not contingent upon what I did for you, it's, it's what you've done for me, that I'm able to love others the way you want me to. I thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.